you can rest, you can have a seat. I give all glory and honor to God who, if it wasn't for him, I would not be standing here today. And I just understand that. And that's why I ask for your glory, God. I'll do anything just to behold you, just to be in your presence, just to sit at your feet. Or like the woman with the issue of blood, just to touch the hem of your garment. It's just enough. I give all glory to God. I thank Pastor for this opportunity because I don't take it lightly because this is not a light assignment. And if I be real with y'all, the enemy has been fighting me all month. And especially this last week. So I'm telling y'all, y'all brace yourself. Put your seatbelts on because we're going for a ride. All right. This morning, yes, children, you can go to Children's Church. Children can go to Children's Church. This morning, God gave me the title, Rise Up and Be Free. Rise Up and Be Free. And I believe he gave me this title because there are so many people who think they are free, who think they are operating they need, the way they need to be, who think they are in the right position, and who think they've done everything they need to do. But those same people, if they be real, are the ones saying, God, what in the world is going on in my life right now? Why am I stuck? So I got a few questions. Have you ever felt stuck in a place where you felt like, man, is this ever going to change? Will it always be like this? Will I always have to suffer like this? Because you know, some of us suffer in silence. We walk around like, hey, how you doing? You doing all right? I'm great. And on the inside, if we be real, we would toe up. Toe all the way up. Faking it till we make it. Just stuck. Trust me, I have asked these same questions. God, how in the world am I going to heal from this? How in the world do I get out of this place? When will this end? God, I'm tired. I want to be free. So today, we are going to learn the steps to rise up and be free. Before we begin, if you're taking notes, I want you to ask yourself a few questions, okay? I want you to ask yourself three things. Trust me, I didn't ask myself this. I want you to know, 
ask yourself, say, what do I need to be free from? What do I need to be free from? Then ask yourself, what is the source of these issues? And ask yourself, am I ready to change? Now, you might be wondering, why, why do I have to ask myself, am I ready to change? If I want to be free, obviously I want to change, but there's a reason for that. Are you really ready to change? One thing I have learned is that it is important to have a made-up mind when you are about to make changes in your life. That's why Romans chapter 12, the B part of 2, verse 2 says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I know this to be a fact because when I was preparing for weight loss surgery, a lot of people won't tell you, all that you got to go through, the whole process that you have to go through. But before I could have weight loss surgery, I had to see a psychiatrist. You might wonder, why in the world she got to go see a psychiatrist to lose some weight? What's wrong, with, what's wrong with that? What's going on with that? The reason they have you go see a psychiatrist is because they want to check your mental state. If nothing has changed in your mind to say, I want to be healthy, this is what I want to do, this is my last straw, I'm not doing that no more, I want this bad. If your mind is not made up, guess what? They're not approving your surgery. Because what's the point of getting on that table and having that surgery if you're going to go back and do the same old stuff that you was doing before? If you're going to go through the same old things that got you to this point? So you have to change your mind. And so that's why that question is important. Are you ready to change? So at that point, I, I made up my mind. The point I'm making is if we want to see change in our life, we have to first make up in our mind enough is enough. If we want to see change out there, we got to see change in here. But first, we got to change in here. If nothing changes in here, nothing's going to change in here. And nothing's definitely going to change out there. So we're going to go to John chapter 5. And, man, I'm telling y'all this story, man. It got to me good. John chapter 5, we're going to start at verses 1, and we're going to go all the way to 17. And you don't have to stand because it's a lot, and I'm going to read it for you, but I'm reading it in the Amplified Version. It said, later on, there was a Jewish festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda. And having five porticos or porches or colonnades. In these porticos lays a great number who were sick, blind, lame, withered, waiting for the stirring of the water. For the angel of the Lord would send down an angel to stir up the water at an appointed season. The first one to go in the water after it was stirred was healed 
of all of his diseases. There was a certain man that had been there for 38 years. Can y'all imagine? 38 years. When Jesus noticed him laying there helpless, knowing that he had been in this condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? The invalid answer, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming to get into it myself, someone steps down over me, ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man was healed and recovered his strength and picked up his pallet and walked. Now, that, was, that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, you are not permitted to pick up your pallet because it is unlawful. He answered them, well, the man who healed me and gave me back my strength was the one who said, pick up your pallet and walk. They, talk, they asked him, who is the man who told you pick up your pallet and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus has slipped away unnoticed since there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews began to persecute Jesus continually because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now. He has never ceased working and I too am working. All right. So I'm going to stop there. <laughs> it's a lot in that story, isn't it? It said a whole lot. So being real, while I was reading this story, I had never seen this story the way God revealed it to me this time. And you all know I'm a pre-K teacher, and I always bring a little pre-K with me. <laughs> so this time, you know, last time we went on a bear hunt, and we, we got through to the cave. <laughs> This time he gave me three nursery rhymes. And I know that everybody should be familiar with all three of these nursery rhymes. First one is Humpty Dumpty. Second one is Jack and Jill. And the third one is the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And we gonna have some interesting conversations about all three of those nursery rhymes. I know these were fun songs and rhymes we said as children. You know, we weren't paying no attention, but there's a lot to learn if you really look deep into those nursery rhymes. And I know somebody's thinking, this is not about to make an ounce of sense. I don't know what she's talking about, but I promise you, if you just open your ears for a little while, you'll be blessed. In John chapter 5, verse 6, we find Jesus noticing a man lying helpless. Anyone ever felt helpless? 
anyone recently, you know, throughout COVID, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to take place. You know, we were stuck in the house forever. Didn't know what it was going to look like when we came out for real. You know, ever been hopeless or helpless? Remember, the man had been ill for 38 years. That's a long time. And I'm going to be real with y'all. That was significant for me because on next Saturday, I'll be 38 years old. So God was speaking to me while I was writing this. And in my 38 years of life, I have dealt with so much pain, y'all. So much pain in 38 years. So that was significant. But Jesus knew about this man. And the thing is, Jesus approached him. He had been sitting outside of the pool where the healing takes place. <laughs> and Jesus comes to him. And Jesus asked him a question. And you would think it would be an obvious answer, you know. He, he asked the question, do you want to get well? Now, if somebody came up to you and know you've been sick for ever and a day, and they come up to you and say, do you want to be well? You're going to look at them like, are you crazy? Heck yeah, I want to be well. Why would you ask me that? Like, yeah, I want to be well. So that would have been an obvious answer, right? So I'm going to pause for a minute. And let's talk about Humpty Dumpty. We know Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horsemen and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again, right? Now notice, after Humpty fell, he didn't scream, help! I need help. He didn't scream, help. But everybody else came running to his rescue. You know, he failed. We gonna help him put, but they couldn't put, it was so many pieces. They couldn't put him back together. Notice, they came to Humpty's rescue. Here's Jesus. This man been sitting here sick forever and a day. And ain't went, help! I'm trying to get to the water. He just sitting there, right? waiting for somebody to come help. And here comes Jesus. And he says, do you want to get well? Make it obvious now why Jesus asked, do you want to get well? Because if he really wanted to get well, you've been sitting here all this time and all these people have been passing you. You ain't said, somebody help me get to this water. Somebody. Somebody help me get there. But he ain't asked for help, so here comes Jesus coming to help him. Think about how fragile Humpty was. He put himself in a critical situation, right? He's an egg, and, you know, eggs are fragile. But he sits himself on a wall. You are odd shape, and you're going to sit on a wall. So, of course, you're going to fall. And you fall, and now you're in broken and little bitty pieces. Now, think about that. How many times have we been fragile, put ourselves on a wall, 
in situations. Fall and fall hard. And then end up broken in little bitty pieces. And expecting everybody else to come put me back together. So this man is sitting there waiting for somebody to come rescue him. Somebody come help me. But he ain't yelling, help. Not one time. So Jesus asked him an obvious question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? Same thing could have been true for Humpty because you then put yourself in a situation. Now you didn't fail and you ain't even asking for help. You just laying there stuck. How many times have we done that? Sitting there waiting for a pity party. Because, you know, let's be real. It's easier to accept a pity party than to ask for what we really need because sometimes medicine don't always taste good. And what help we need might not be the help we want. I believe this is the reason why Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? If you are taking notes, write this down. To rise up and be free, the first thing we have to do is we have to want to be healed. You have to want it. You can't just say, I want to be healed. No, you got to actually really want it. When I got ready to lose weight, I wanted that because I wanted to live. Now, in the same sense, spiritually, if we be real, you should want to live spiritually. I want to make it to heaven. I don't want to spend my eternity in a burning hell when I done lived hell on earth. I want to be made whole. I want to be well. I'm going to ask you some very bold questions. Do you want to be made well? Do you really want things in your life to change? Or have you grown accustomed to living in defeat? If you are tired of defeat, mediocrity, and bondage, then it's time for you to stand up on the inside and say enough is enough. You are the only one that can do that for you. You have to decide. Enough is enough. I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of my life being like this. I'm tired of dealing with this emotion and this pain and depression. I'm tired. You got to say enough is enough. This man never asked anyone for help to get to the water. He sat there and continually expected people to come and help. Let's look at John chapter 5, verse 7. His response to Jesus' question. And this is what got me, y'all. He said, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming down to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. Don't he just sound pitiful? This guy basically saying, 
It's not my fault. I'm in this condition because of what someone else won't do for me and because of what someone else has done to me. It's not my fault. Think about it. I have no man to put me in and paraphrasing. I'm stuck because someone won't do that for me. They won't come and help me, but he ain't asked for no help. And then he says, I'm stuck because what someone else has done to me, either way, is not my fault. I'm in this predicament because they won't help me and they keep stepping over me. Not because I ain't asked for help and I ain't tell them move out of my way because I'm trying to get where I got to go. Jesus never asked him why he wasn't healed. He asked, he didn't ask him why he wasn't in the water either. He asked him, does he want to be healed? Now, he didn't took all this time and all he had to say was, yes. I want to be healed. I mean, think about that. I've been dealing with some ailment for all these years and you come and ask me, do I want, yes, I want to be healed. You might be the answer I've been waiting for. Yeah, I want to be healed. But no, he had to tell his sad sob story as to why he ain't made it to the, the thing he think was going to heal him. But think about it. Don't we do that? We come to church. God, I need your help. We get the word. God, and then, and then we like, hmm, that ain't going to work. And we go back to the same old stuff. And then we complain because they didn't help me. They didn't do it for me. So Jesus asked, he asked, do you want to be healed? So the blame game begins. So the second thing we have to stop doing is placing blame or shifting blame. That brings me to Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown, and here comes Jill tumbling after. Now let's think about the conversation that Jack and Jill would have after they done fell down this hill. Jill gonna look at Jack and say, why you take me up that hill? Why do we even have to go up that hill anyway? Now I came and fell down this hill because you fell. I fell because you fell. I'm looking at you and trying to help you, and here I go falling. Jill ain't taking no responsibility to the fact that, okay, Jack is falling. Let me see what he done so I don't have to do that. She going to fall right with him. Ain't that how life is, y'all? I'm this way because somebody hurt me. I do this because somebody did this to me. This happened to me, so I'm this way. I can't change this because just this is who I am. If you can't accept that, this is just who I am. Ain't that how life is, y'all? Shifting the blame. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their own actions. So we have to stop the blame game. The things that others don't do for us 
what they have done to us can only be an excuse for so long. Instead of blaming others for situations, we have to make the decision to get unstuck and do something with our lives. And I'm going to be real. Pain can get you stuck. Because pain is real. I'm not saying pain ain't real. It's real. And it can get you stuck. And you can be stuck for years just like this man who was paralyzed. Because pain will paralyze you. Different types of pain can paralyze you. I know. Honey, this is what I've lived. I know. Pain can paralyze you. But guess what? It can only paralyze you as long as you allow it to. I went through several major things through my childhood that I never talked about, never told nobody about. And it was painful and I suffered in silence. And I have sat with that pain. I've nursed that pain. It got comfortable. And then one day I was like, why can't I smile? And then several other things happened and people I loved died and I didn't understand because I was still that little girl suffering in silence. Pain, y'all. And it paralyzed me to the point where one day I felt like I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to break free from this. I'm always going to feel defeated. Y'all, this is real. Pain is real. But we can get stuck. And you think, well, they shouldn't have done that to me. I had no control over that. You get stuck there. And, and you don't just shift blame on them, then you blame yourself. And you feel like, well, it's all my fault, so hey, just have to deal with it. And maybe this is the way life is supposed to be. You get stuck in defeat. Until you wake up one day and say, you know what? I ain't living like this no more. I'm not staying here. Regardless of what they did to me, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I still have the activity of my limbs. I can still see. I can hear. I got to do something with this life that I have. So we can't stay stuck in the pain. We have to decide, you know what? Okay, they did that, you know, but they got to answer for that. And you got to move on. Forgiveness is a real thing, y'all. Because it is true that forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. Because when you forgive, here's what happens. There's that tie right there. When you forgive for real, it goes. And it releases you. 
that thing that they did to you or that pain that was connected, it's been cut off. Forgiveness is real and it's necessary. Stop blaming them. Forgive them. When you feel yourself about to blame somebody, forgive them. Jesus, I'm praying for them right now in the name of Jesus. I, I thank you for their life. I thank you for what they came to teach me. I forgive them. Let it go. Let it go. Now let's look at John chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, all right? And this is after he had given Jesus that unnecessary response, right? And Jesus didn't pay no attention to his response, y'all. He said, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. He paid no attention to his little sob story. He didn't waste no time on pity. He just told him, get up, pick up your bed, and walk. Now, some of us need to be told, get up. Pick up your bed and walk. Because I know I have to tell myself that sometimes. I'm exhausted, God. I got too much on my plate. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk. You might have to put that on a sign somewhere in your house. You having a bad day. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk. Now, let's be real. He's paralyzed for 38 years, and Jesus tells him, get up, pick up your bed, and walk. <laughs> Some of us is going to be sitting there like this. You said what? <laughs> you want me to do what? I've been stuck here for 38 years, and you want, I know my legs don't move. You want me to do what? Not only did you tell me to get up, pick up, you, you want me to pick up the thing that I've been sitting on and walk. I ain't even got strength in my legs. How am I supposed to do this? Well, this is where the man actually got it because he didn't say none of that. He just did it. That shows you he had crazy faith even though he wanted some pity earlier. He had some crazy faith. Because he was crazy enough to stand up after he ain't been able to stand up for 38 years. And then he turned around and picked up his bed and kept walking with it. <laughs> and walking with it. And everybody looking at him like he crazy because he's walking with this bed. Because he didn't got healed. And guess what? He wasn't even paying attention to Jesus because he didn't even notice Jesus had disappeared. He wasn't even saying, thank you, Jesus. He just picked it up and kept walking. <laughs> you can learn something from that, though. When the Lord breaks you free, go. Don't look back. Run. So he listened to Jesus' instruction. And that's sometimes what we won't do. We'll hear the instruction, but instead of doing what Nike says, just do it. We won't. He did just what Jesus told him to do. 
in John chapter 2, verse 5, Mary, the mother of Jesus, told them, she said, whatever he says, do it. This Jesus' mama, usually the mama want to tell a child what to do. She said, no, nah, whatever he says, do it. There was reason for that. So step three, to rise up and be free, is do what God tells you to do. Be obedient. Obey. The moment he began to obey, new life and strength began to flow into his previously paralyzed limbs. Listen for what the Lord's instruction in your heart. And then search them, search for them in his word. There is no faith without action. Faith without works is dead. But works without faith is also dead. There will be something that God will require you to do in order to release or express your faith. So whatever he says, do it. Whatever he has told you to do, do it. We hear the word so much here. And if we tell the truth, we know what God requires of us. Ain't no, ain't no doubting that at all. If you remember this church or you've been coming here for a while, you know what God requires of us. You know what we need to do. You know what it takes. When we realize and be real, we are not made whole because we are disobedient. We don't follow what God has told us to do. We'll come in here and we'll hear everything that God has said. Notice us sitting there with a stank face because you know God is all up in your business and then you'll walk out and do the same exact thing that you was doing before. That's why he asked the question, do you want to be made well? Because you come in here, you say, well, Jesus, I want you. And you sit there and you get everything you need. And then you walk out with everything you need. And you go back to doing the same thing you was doing. You got to wonder, do I want to be made well? Because you won't make that right turn and go the opposite direction. We have to choose to be obedient. But Jesus wasn't finished with this man because later he had to come back. And in John chapter 5, verse 14, afterwards... Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. He ain't stopped there, y'all. He says, Stop sinning, or something worse will happen to you. Now, I'm going back to my, we come in here, Jesus, I want you. I got this today. I want you. Thank you, Jesus. Get the word. Know what you need to do. 
walk out the door, right back into it, and find yourself in the worst situation. What he just said. Now, why he had to tell the man that he well, he's paralyzed? How how he saying that quick? <laughs> he he just left Jesus' presence, and he's running with his bag, y'all. How he saying that quick? What he do in the process? Guess what? He went back to the blame game, and I'll show you how. So, y'all remember. They was telling him, it's the Sabbath. You ain't supposed to be walking around carrying that pallet. Instead of saying, I'm healed, y'all. I'm healed. He healed me. I'm healed. He says, well, the man that healed me told me to take my bed and, and carry it and walk. Shifting the blame. Instead of celebrating, because I would have been celebrating. I time to be worried about what y'all think is unlawful on the Sabbath day. I, I can walk. He's, he's too busy telling, well, y'all got to go find the man that told me. Don't, don't reprimand me. Reprimand him. He, he the one who told me to do this. This is why Jesus had to come and say, stop sinning. Because you done went back to that same behavior I just stopped you from doing. I didn't even acknowledge you when you, when you did it the first time and you're going to do it again. Now, how many times he didn't done that to us? I done gave you every answer you need. And you walk out here and you go left. And I done told you to go right. And I done told you 50,000 times it's only going to get worse. But you're still going to go left. Ain't that like us? Do you want? Do you want to be healed? Do you want it? You got to realize once you've been healed, scream it. I'm healed. I ain't worried about you. Y'all, y'all ain't healed. You go get healed. I'm healed. I don't care about me carrying my bed. You, I, could, I was sitting on this bed and couldn't move off this bed. That's why I'm carrying this bed. <laughs> this bed was carrying me. Now I'm carrying it. You go get saved. You go throw yourself in that water and get yourself together. That's what I'd have been telling them. I've been sitting here for 38 years and ain't none of y'all came to my rescue. Jesus, come help me. You want to come ask me why I'm carrying my bed. I'm healed. So, y'all want to get to the Issy Bissy Spider? So, we know the Issy Bissy Spider. She went up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain, and Issy Bissy Spider went up the spot again. We can learn something from that spider. We can learn something from that spider. So, went up the spout. This water came and just took over. That water can signify so many different things. The water overtook the spider, like the pressures of life can overtake us. The waters 
could have drowned that spider. Like sometimes we feel like we're drowning in depression. The water can signify the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy us because that spider could have died from the water rushing through the spout. I mean, itty bitty spider, all this water. And so the spider learned something though. The spider was washed out and you gotta imagine, okay, that's a lot of water. I had eight legs, I could have lost a leg in the process. <laughs> I'm washed out, just laying on the ground. <sighs> Breathing hard because I almost drowned. <sighs> the spider's laying there. And it says, out came the sun. Thank you, Jesus, for being the sun. And dried up all the rain. That's all that overwhelming depression and pain and dried it all up. Guess what? The spider didn't move until everything was dried up. Now the spider could have been in fear and like I ain't going up that spout. I'm going another way because that ain't going to work for me because that, that spout hurt me last time. That spout almost killed me. I'm not going back up there. Not gonna do it again. Could it could it stay like that? But it says the ICBC spider went up the spout again. It says, I'm going to rise up and conquer this. This ain't gonna take me out, but this time the sun is out, it's dry. I'm gonna make it up this spout. That's what we're supposed to do. When all it's said and done. It don't matter what has been done to you, what hasn't been done for you. It's all about what you're going to do at the end of the day. Remember, this, li this life is not about us. We live in this life daily for him. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? You wonder why everything in your life is crazy and hectic. Are you doing what he tells you to do? Are you fully giving yourself over to him? Have you made that choice to say, I am not living like this no more. So God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Have you made that choice? Now, once you make that choice, I said you can be free. I didn't say hell wasn't going to come. Because one, know that as soon as you make that choice, hell is coming. Because this is warfare. But it's spiritual. See, God knows exactly what our intentions are. So when we turn to him and we really give ourselves over to him, he knows. But that's why the weapons will form and they won't prosper. See, if you got weapons that's prospering in your life, you got to wonder. You got to wonder. 
How are they prospering? Because the Bible tells us the weapons may form, but they will not prosper. Why, why am I still being defeated? You got to wonder. Well, have you really submitted to him? Have you really given your life over to him? Have you really accepted him? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. In order for us to be free, we have to be willing to give up everything. We got to give up control. We can't drive the car no more. And that's scary sometimes because, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. But what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's all connected. Obedience is operating in optimum faith. Because God, I'm going to do this. It sounds crazy. But I'm going to do this. But but look at the outcome of a crazy faith. That man got up after 38 years, picked up his bed and was running. He couldn't even stretch his legs out, y'all. You gotta think about it. a paralyzed person cannot move at all. Even if they wanted to scratch, <laughs> they can't move. I mean, think about how that feels. You got your leg is itching and you can't scratch it. You can't touch it. You're paralyzed. You can't do nothing for yourself. Think about the crazy faith it took for him to get up. Now think about yourself. What situation has you paralyzed right now? That sometimes you can come into church and you can't even hold your head up. Sometimes you can come in church and you can't lift your hand. You can't say hallelujah. What has you paralyzed? What has sucked the life out of you? Guess what? He said, you can be well. You just have to do what I told you to do. Give me what you got and I will give you rest. All that weight you've been carrying, give it to me and I will give you rest. Keep your mind on me and I will give you peace. The joy of me is your strength. Everything that we're lacking is found in Jesus. 
Why do you think I said for your glory I will do anything? Because if I have the glory of God, I have everything. I have everything that I need. And God, I don't care what I got to give up at this point. Take it because I just want to be free. And that may mean I can't go home because, hey, I'm not free at that house. Somebody's got me in bondage. I got to find somewhere else to go. That may mean I can't go back to that job because that job got me in bondage. That job got to go. Sometimes it takes crazy faith. Sometimes I can't go back to that relationship because that relationship got me in bondage. It got to go. And guess what? When you choose life, see, I didn't even get to this part. You not choosing life for you. You choosing life for your generations. If you got children, grandchildren, and they out here living a life like they insane, you got to wonder. Because the word says if you choose life, you and your seeds will live. How many seeds we done lost because nobody's choosing life? You got to change your mindset. It ain't about you. I got to do this for my baby. Because I want him to have a chance at life. Think about that. It ain't just for you. It, I just said children. What if you got grandchildren? Because he said generations. Are you ready to choose? Are you ready to be healed for real? Because if you don't want to be healed for real, you're going to keep going through this cycle. But I'm telling y'all, if y'all not looking, time is getting short. Every time you wake up, that's God giving you grace to do it right. He's giving you a choice. Like the man, when he saw him in the temple, he said, see, you healed, but stop. Stop what you're doing. Because you're going to end up in worse situation. What's worse than ending up in hell? What's worse? It's a warning. It's a warning. I have given you everything you need for you to be free. Stop what you're doing. You're making it worse for yourself. Do what I told you. You don't hear about that man no more. I think he got the message. I'm running with my freedom. I'm gone. You ain't got to tell me but once, Jesus. I'm running. If you are someone who feels like I need to make a change. Enough is enough.
today is a great day to do that. And I'm going to be real with y'all. I found my freedom writing this sermon. The enemy fought me for days trying to write this sermon, y'all. I was in the ER with my son Friday night. Didn't know what was going on. He had a temperature of 102. It wouldn't come down. They kept coming back. This test is negative. That test is negative. We don't know what's going on with him. I had a severe anxiety attack yesterday trying to write the sermon. When I say warfare, spiritual warfare is real, y'all. Because when you really make that decision, when you really make the, he going to come. The enemy is going to come. He's going to send whatever he got. He knew that I was going to find my freedom in this. He knew God was going to speak to me in this. He knew I was going to say, well, Jesus, I can have joy. I don't have to live with this pain no more. I can be free. I can be free. I'm here to tell you I have lived everything that I have talked about today. Feeling stuck. I've been there. And that's not just years past, that's recent. If I can tell you anything, choose Jesus. He understands every bit of ugly that we do. And what I love about him is he doesn't judge your ugly. He's standing there like, I know, baby. I know. And he loves you just the same. He loves you just the same. He ain't like this fashioned love that we have here on earth that people say, oh, I love you, but as soon as you do something to him, you don't love him, I don't love you no more. His love is unconditional. And the thing is, you got to think about how dirty we didn't done him for him to still love us. For him to still love us despite us. So if today you feel like I'm ready, I'm tired, I want to be free, I don't want to live like this, I don't want to walk out here and go through the same stuff anymore, make a choice. It's up to you. It's up to you. You can stay stuck, but you can't blame nobody for you being stuck. But you have the choice, and you have to make it.